Hey there, Bun Buddies, and welcome to License to Grill, a Bob's Burgers podcast brought to you by Ultimate Tabletop Network. I'm your host, Zalzazane, and with me is my partner and webmistress, Kim Jo. This week, we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 9, Spaghetti Western and Meatballs, enjoying a delicious shootout at the Okra Corral Burger, and testing our knowledge with trivia. Before we jump into this episode, I have a confession. Ooh, is this confession corner? (laughs) Gather around, children. I have a confession to make. Episode 6, I had a really hard time figuring out what the point of the title was, and if you listen to the episode, you can hear me really struggle with it. Or maybe not, maybe it was edited out. It wasn't until I was making the art to post it on our Instagram and Facebook page that I finally got it and I had to come home with my head hanging down and explain it. Yeah, you came home like in the middle of the day. <laughs> you skipped the rest of your work day. You were so upset. Sobbing uncontrollably. I had like the mascara. I was like that character from Blade Runner standing in the rain so people can't see my tears. Half with joy, half with embarrassment. <laughs> It was like I'd solved a Da Vinci code or something. <laughs> Sheesh cab bob. Shish kebab. And uh, I'm really embarrassed, but I figured I'd share that with you guys. If it helps any, I didn't get it either. Yeah, it's, um, I feel like they really forced it. <laughs> and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Fantastic. One other thing in the uh, little side corners here. We have some shout-outs. First, we want to shout-out to all of our friends and family who've been listening to the episode. You've been really helping our numbers out. And, of course, I've been checking the analytics almost constantly. We're at 88 listens as of, the, as of recording, which is pretty great. And a fun shout-out to our newest listener in Bristol, Bristol, who is in the city of Bristol in the county or subsector of Bristol. Also, one more from Amsterdam in North Holland. Cool. I hope they're listening to it in the red light district. Well, red light does make burgers look especially good. Yum, yum, yum. Sizzling. More fun facts. More just jibber-jabbering. The term spaghetti western, which is what the title of this episode is based off of, was a term coined by Spanish journalist Alfonso Sanchez to describe the low-budget films being made in Italy during the 1960s and early 1970s. Italian directors, writers, and producers filmed spaghetti westerns throughout Europe, shooting in countries like Italy and Spain, which is where the title Spaghetti Western comes from. It was too expensive to film in America, so they flew to European countries to shoot westerns. That's very cool. Oh, that's neat. That's why I can never recognize Vancouver in a western movie. <laughs> it's true. Not like everything else where it's like, oh, yep, been there. Oh, that's Davy Street. Yep. I'm looking at UCW. The Arrowverse. Uh, Supernatural, Riverdale. Episodes of The L Word were filmed in Vancouver. We should do a review podcast of Riverdale. No. No? Oh, God, that show is so fucking bonkers, man. That's why. It'd be very funny. <laughs> Just to slowly see your brain melt over several seasons? Yep. All right, let's jump into the episode. Spaghetti Western and Meatballs aired on March 27th, 2011. It has an average IMDb rating of 7.7. It was directed by Wes Archer and written by Kit Boss, which is a boss name. It is the first appearance of Jocelyn, who is voiced by John Roberts, who also does the voice of Linda. It is weird to see Jocelyn without Tammy, and we'll get to that. It is the first appearance of Colleen Caviello, who's voiced by Larry Murphy, who does the the voice of Teddy, and in later seasons is voiced by Jamie Moyer. It is the first appearance of Tracy Schwartz, voiced by Laura Silverman, who also does the voice of Andy Pesto. May the Schwartz be with you. It is the first appearance of Peter Pescadero, voiced by none other than H. John Benjamin, who does the voice of Bob. And the character totally changes appearance in season two. They straight up just make him a different character, but use the same name and same voice actor, I think, which is very bizarre to me. But most notably, it is the first appearance of Choo Choo Bam Bam Bigelow. No, his name is just Choo Choo. And he's voiced by comedian Brian Posen, who people might recognize as Sour Cream from Steven Universe, Burt Kibler in The Big Bang Theory. And he's also pretty well known for having written a four-year run of the Deadpool comic in the Marvel Now initiative. He also voices Choo Choo's dad. Episode synopsis. Louise feels alienated when Bob and Jean start watching spaghetti westerns. Tina fights her way through a calm 
conflict resolution program. And apparently Linda is there. Gotta give my Linda some love, man. Linda provides conflict resolution and stops everybody from killing each other. Yeah, but every other character is mentioned in the synopsis except Linda. That's fair. Yeah. So the opening gags. The store next door is STD Be Gone, the free clinic. <laughs> I do really enjoy that one. It's better than Attempted Grape. Yes, it is a vast improvement. If anybody's waiting for the scream, you're too late because I got tired of doing that. The extermination van is Rats All Folks. The saga continues. The episode opens up on Bob and Louise sitting on the couch. It looks like pretty late at night and they are flicking through the television. They are participating in something we soon learn to be burn unit, which is kind of a really poor version of uh, like a mystery science theater 3000 type of thing. It's kind of the wish version of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Man, Mystery Science Theater really stole from Bob's Burgers when they came up with their idea. Yeah, how dare they? <laughs> how dare they travel through time to steal an idea? I feel like that's probably one of the movies that they would have reviewed on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, that'd be cool if one of our improvised podcasts got reviewed by Mystery Science Theater 3000. Keep the dream alive, big guy. Mm -hmm. We see a variety of flicking through the channels. We see elephants, which I only mentioned because I think elephants are cool. We see the soccer match, which is the I play soccer because I don't know what to do with my hands or something. What was it? Was that pretty right? I forgot I have hands. I forgot I have hands. To be fair, though, sometimes they do use hands in soccer, like particularly the goalie. Yeah, but they got like big cartoon Mickey Mouse gloves. So I don't know how much that counts. <laughs> Not big cartoon Mickey Mouse gloves. Have you seen footy? Um, I'm from England, so yes. Then you know that footy is basically an untabled foosball. So that means they don't have arms. Well, they can't use their arms, mostly. They do, though. We just, the goalie uses their hands. Well, I mean, it doesn't count because they have giant cartoon yeah, Mickey Mouse gloves. Wait, wait, but can't they also throw the ball from the corner? I thought that was the referee that did that. No, I'm pretty sure it's players too, man. Clearly, I haven't seen footy. All right, so Bob and Louise don't know anything about football. But they do know things about the news. We're going to spend the whole episode just talking about this first 35 seconds of the, you know, like that's it. This is going to be it. We're going to be arguing about football. Is this going to be our first two-parter? <laughs> no, no. Wow, that, that, was, that wasn't a yes and. That was a no <laughs> F you. That was a no cut next. That was a thank you next, as Ariana Grande might say. And I said grande. Nacho grande. Because I'm a white lady. Because I'm an old white lady. So instead of Ariana Grande, it's Ariana Grande. Well, you don't look a day over 21. Well, I feel about 81. Don't we all? No. I hope babies don't feel 81. Maybe they do. They just don't have a concept of it yet. <laughs> they just don't have a way of expressing that they feel old. Well, they poop themselves. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, we need to move on. <laughs> we need to move on so badly. We're going to be here for like four hours. I'll be late for work. <laughs> make me laugh so much we cut to a news reporter and it's this justin i have a very very big forehead they're really bad at burns like very bad well louise is like five so this is like first degree burn unit <laughs> then we cut to the horror movie with the girl in the tight skirt being chased by a lawnmower apparently and she can't outrun it because her dress is so tight my skirt's so tight ah classic scream or michael myers or literally any horror movie in existence she is definitely not the final girl she is probably the bimbo best friend and then we cut to banjo which is a western movie that bob remembers watching when he was younger how young we don't really know but he remembers watching it and enjoying it as they switch over gene comes walking out with a plunger clearly he's been watching rupaul's drag race it's not platinum but well, neither, neither was, was in the one. show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Best opening line of a character walking into a room. Do we have anything bigger than this? <laughs> and Bob says, no, why? Or what did you do? Nothing, just planning ahead. You got to appreciate someone who is considerate around their poops. Why are you looking at me like that? Gene kind of stops his little mission and turns towards the TV and seems to immediately take interest in the Western because Banjo appears to be shooting bullets out of his guitar or banjo. I mean, that's pretty wild. Yeah. It really is a Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter where there's a gun in every dang thing as history has foretold. Penquil, gun. Inkwell, gun. 
desk, gun. Proto tank. Door handle, gun. <laughs> Pocket watch, gun. Big giant hat, gun. You know this. Well, okay, you would assume because it's Abraham Lincoln, right? You would think his big stove pipe has like a cannon in it or something. That'd but, be pretty great. He's gonna lean real far forward. <laughs> but would you expect his ascot or the pivot of his ascot to be a gun? Oh, yeah. There you go. Expect his ass to be a gun. <laughs> Oh, we're never going to get through this episode. Did you get into Westerns as a kid? Yeah, I love Westerns. Yeah, I, I never really got into Westerns, except for maybe animated ones. Like, Trigun? That one was like a later teen years. Trigun's I'm, dope. I'm thinking more Five Goes West and uh, Rango. Rango's garbage, but Five Goes what? West. Five Goes West is cool shit. There's that song that him and his sister sing to each other. That song slaps me right in the feelings. His sister was a great singer in that movie. It was. She like goes and does the dancing in the saloon and sings. In a cat saloon as a mouse and crushed it. Man, that, that's, that show's really good. We may have to pause and take a watch of that. Yeah, okay, see you guys later. And we're back. And we're still talking about the first 45 seconds. <laughs> Gene's very forward thinking in that first 45 seconds. <laughs> Gene takes interest in the movie that's playing on the television. Bob doesn't let Louise change the channel. And as Gene shows interest by, of course, the banjo shooting bullets out of it, Gene is immediately invited to sit down. So much so that Bob even invites Gene to sit between them. And Louise is pushed off to the side. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see that she is immediately experiencing jealousy just by the tone in her body language. And the murderous rage. <laughs> She does say it's like pushing a couch off a couch as she tries to push Gene away. Gene asks Louise to hold his plunger, and Louise, of course, hits him with it off screen. I mean, that's how you got to do it, right? Yeah. The next morning, there is a very tired, sleep-deprived Louise seeking coffee from Linda. I don't think we've ever seen Louise drink coffee, but I think it's just a... Um, Mimicking Papa. I think, yeah, I think part of it is she's trying to be like Bob, but also it is a very clear representation of her being tired. I mean, I could read into this very deeply and say this, the whole thing with Bob and Jean had her tossing and turning all night, but we're just going to say she was staying up late watching the burn unit or doing the burn unit and didn't sleep well. I can be okay with that. Yeah. Linda, who is in this episode, Linda's here, guys. She's in the episode, is on the phone to Mr. Fraud. Mr. Fraud has just given her the opportunity to cook the spaghetti dinner for the Conflict Resolution Club. For Yeah, for the fundraiser for Tina's Conflict Resolution Club. Ooh, I wonder how much they're going to get paid for that. Uh, nothing. It's a fundraiser, Bob. That's very funny. I, I did a quick Google, and most catering for fundraisers charges their normal rates, though they often are encouraged to submit some of the profits as a donation to the fundraiser itself. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, Bob makes a big stink about the fact that it's a spaghetti dinner and that we don't they don't make spaghetti, they make hamburgers. <laughs> Linda says that it's a school fundraiser. It's it's a pasta game. <laughs> you make spaghetti or you make spaghetti? Spaghetti? You make spaghetti or you go home. Th then we cut to one of my favorite moments in this entire episode, which is Linda's flashback to the fundraiser last year with Colleen Caviello, where they're talking about the big ziti and it's an ultra slow motion. And there there's like, Linda and Colleen and I think two other women that are all eating this baked ziti and <laughs> you can see like the spittle and the bits of noodle in their mouth they're like oh my god the ziti oh the ziti and then we cut back to Linda and she's like and that was the worst day of my life <laughs> <laughs> it's so good <laughs> it's so good you make spaghetti and meatballs or you're gonna get decked in the halls Tina says that they're raising money for a bulletproof trash can so gang members can throw out their guns, which is just excellent. Oh, so dumb. <laughs> Bob calls Mr. Frond a tall drink of annoying, and Linda exclaims to him very loudly, You're going to drink that drink, mister! You know, this sounds like Linda's Vietnam. <laughs> Personally, I think I would make chili in little bread bowls. Everybody would be like, I, 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 muy caliente. Because it's spicy? Would you make a spicy chili? I think I would make white people chili and then a spicy chili. So basically paste? Yep. And then a spicy chili? Oh yeah. Do you put beans in your chili? It's a hot topic debate. I do put beans in my chili. <gasps> Scandalo. But it is not chili because there is beans in it. Yeah, okay. It's chili with beans. Is chili just like spaghetti soup? I'd say thicker than sauce. Like a spaghetti gumbo. Oh, spaghetti <laughs> We named it here. Chili is now just spaghetti gumbo. Spaghetti stew. Oh, I can feel my ancestors being upset with me. <laughs> I'm going to make you some spaghetti stew next week. 
With beans. Yeah, I always put beans in my chili. That was just the way, because that's the way to like make it really last long, and beans are cheap. Mm-hmm. Kidney beans, baked beans, sometimes chickpeas. It really depended whatever my mom had in the cupboard. Oh, it's whatever stew. Whatever whatever spaghetti stew. Yeah, spaghetti and stuff. Uh, I like how Bob finally agrees to doing the fundraiser, but says he's going to half-ass it. <laughs> I'm gonna yep. fine. I'll do it, but I'm gonna half-ass it. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty good representation of Bob in general. Is like it's the fine, but I'm complain gonna complain the whole time sort of mentality. Yep. And he always does this. It's kind of like you and Bob are very similar in that way, where you do everything very begrudgingly, even if it's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically your whole life. Yeah, but at least Bob has something that he does like all the way. That's true. You do too. Like what? Do you half-ass being a dungeon master? No. Ah, <laughs> sucker. Jean strides into the kitchen with the little princess guitar strapped to his back. And whoa, Nelly, does that thing look like something from my childhood? I like that he's got it strapped upside down so we can swing it around to be right side up. Yeah, it's the only way to do it, man. Is that a real thing? I mean, I don't know. I don't play guitar. If you play guitar, let us know in the comments below or email us or tweet. Do something. Social media at us. Aren't some of your friends musicians who listen to this? Yes. They should be able to tell us. Yeah, you should. You know who you are. You know who you are you know who you are you know who you are <laughs> gene brings up ceviche which is the villain in the banjo movies and says that he has his own villain named choo choo doesn't he call him cerveza or something before bob corrects i him? wouldn't be surprised serve you know serve it up serve it right ceviche 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 yep creme fresh. <laughs> fresh good uh, and as he mentions that this is nemesis this is where we cut to all of these different jokes that choo choo interrupts him with and gives the punchline before gene can because apparently to gene that is like the ultimate crime which is fine he's like a what like eight-year-old boy the jokes which are actually not terrible well i mean i don't remember the jokes as you'll learn later on <laughs> when we get to the trivia but I knew the punchlines. A vampire walks into a bar and orders a bloodlight. A Spanish guy with a rubber foot. Roberto. It's stupid. <laughs> uh, bees make milk. Boobies. Also, I would argue haunting bees. Boobies. Yep. Bee ghosts. Bee ghosts. Bob encourages Gene to make the banjo face. And this is really a sight gig. You have to watch the episode for this because Gene's faces are chef kiss just so fucking cute. I just want to like grab his little cheekies and just smushy smushes them. He makes Bob laugh. Everybody wants to see his icy stare. Yeah, the banjo icy stare. And he tries his best. Bob tells Gene that his face is wrong. To which Gene explodes in anger and goes, my face is wrong? Uh, No growling. (laughs) No growling. When Gene asks if the face is scary and (laughs) Louise says, is Choo Choo scared of stroke victims? So good. And Gene, out of beat, goes, terrified. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good line. That that may be my line of the episode. Yeah, it's great. It's great. We cut to Wagstaff School. I like that we're spending more and more time in the school. It really is the kids' domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get to meet a lot of the kids and let's be real like as you get further on in the season there's some really hilarious kids in the school it is lunchtime Jean is staring at Choo Choo Louise is playing a game that I wish I played as a kid called Food Court it's orange versus lasagna and milk is the judge I think that's excellent she does some really good food voices she does I think she gets it from Bob, and it's very sweet. Yeah, because he talks to his food. You see him talking to his hamburgers all the time. Yeah, that's a really great point. Gene totally blows Louise off. So not only now have we had the instance of burn unit and Louise being cast out of that, now we have food court, which is her and Gene's thing, being blown off too because Gene has this grudge against uh, Choo Choo. So twice, like literally within 24 hours, she's been kicked out of her clubs that she has with arguably her two favorite people in the family. And we get to that because she calls (laughs) Linda and Tina the menstruation nation, which is awesome i want a band with that name we should get some shirts with that name uh yes it would be bloody and gross but cool, yes let's throw it up on the store rock and roll it's <laughs> halloween time anyway gene approaches and confronts choo choo with the joke what's green and sings i don't think that's a- an accurate description of what the punchline is but fine gene i guess so and every time choo choo tries to answer gene uh strums the guitar and makes a fun little sound nice 
then cuts him off immediately and says, Elvis Parsley. And one kid in the background laughs. You don't tell the punchlines to other kids' jokes anymore, poo-poo. Whoa, burn. Yeah, it's very uh, saloon, stare down. You know, this is going to get, we're going to do a high noon here somewhere. I did want to bring this up, though, because I think it's interesting. Gene is upset at Choo Choo because Choo Choo is stealing his thunder. But pretty early on in this sort of confrontation, Gene is very much a bully. And it gets worse. Yeah. It seems like he's ramping up to some big emotional climax. And then maybe he has a very special episode to realize being a bully is wrong. This isn't Saved by the Bell, you. Or Blossom. Or literally any sitcom in the 80s and 90s. Riverdale. (laughs) It's not. They never learn any lessons in Riverdale. Louise does try to engage Gene again uh, with the verdict. Mm -hmm. Apparently the lasagna. I think it's the lasagna that's guilty. But again, Gene totally blows her off. Well, lasagna has so many layers, so. <laughs> like Shrek. Or a parfait. A uh, trifle. You got something else that has layers? Let's go. Tiramisu. Big old cake. Okay. <sighs> Pie. A good mystery novel. Oh. How about a red herring? They usually have layers because they're in. It's stupid. I was trying. Onion. To... Bloomin' onion. That is an explosion of layers. All right, we got to move on. We'd be getting cut to commercial break right now if we, yeah. were, if we were sponsored in any shape, way, or form. This episode did sort of touch on some of my experiences in in school, where I was sort of like the kid left out. So thanks for that emotional resonance, Bob's Burgers. I do find that it always finds a way to kind of have that connection, even though it is a very funny, funny show. Yeah, they do a great job, really bringing everything home to real like everybody has had this experience sort of deal or at least weirdos like us have had those experiences yeah i mean even in the family like my brother and i used to hang out all the time and then whenever he did bad in video games he would blame it on me he said i was bad luck wow yeah yeah my brother was a piece of shit anyways i'm not gonna keep airing my family grievances on the podcast but but if you don't then how are people gonna have that parasocial connection with us Yeah, okay, fair enough. We cut to the restaurant. Bob is there with Teddy and Mort, uh, our two favorite, I mean, let's be real, the two only patrons of the restaurant, (laughs) the regulars. Bob pretty much explains why I cook spaghetti as dinner. Cooking spaghetti isn't even cooking, just boiling water. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, it is. And that is why I make spaghetti. In fact, I made spaghetti last night for dinner. And it was delicious. I do make a very mean spaghetti because it is literally (laughs) boiling water. Teddy wants to come to the fundraiser to meet ladies i'm pretty sure that's not the way to do it that he says that he wants to throw uh throw a ball with a kid but he'll make sure he doesn't do it inside i think i mean teddy's obviously a very lonely dude i think what really struck me was bob says we agreed no more school events for you teddy i want to know what happened that is in my notes too what happened with teddy at school events do you think it was a flirting with a teacher thing or hanging out with kids and people realize that he's a weirdo without a kid of his own i don't know if he'd hang out with kids although Teddy does have sort of that endearing childlike quality to him that I feel like kids would be drawn to him. He's very like quiet and gentle and I really hope that it's not a yucky reason. I don't think it is. I don't think they would go. I don't think they would go that way. Yeah, I think Teddy just went to a school event without a kid and people realized and it got weird. Yeah, and he is awkward. He's just an awkward man. But I do would like to know what happened if that ever comes out. If anyone knows. Lauren Bouchard, mail us. Yeah, not email. You have to send us a letter. I want a notarized letter in the mail. And it has to be, like, I want the ink to barely feel dry when it comes. So that way I know that you hand wrote it. Laura Bouchard will email your address later. Yeah, okay. Gene tells Bob that he stood up to choo-choo like Banjo. Louise knocks him down a peg by saying only one kid laugh. Even furthers it by saying that it's Peter and he has a learning disability. Peter Pescadero. Peter Pescadero. First appearance in the episode. First appearance in the series. Though he changes later, I hear. He does. He becomes a completely different character. So Louise is obviously already showing signs of sort of like her emotional turbulence in all of this. Reaching out, trying to find some kind of connection. I don't even think she's trying to reach a connection at this point. I think she's just slamming Jean down. You know, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back sort of mentality. Louise is very revenge-fueled, right? She tries to move on from Banjo. She talks to her dad about doing the burn unit tonight and watching Canine Criminals, The Stretching Show, or Beetlejuice in Espanol, which I thought was great. Beetlehugo, Beetlehugo, Beetlehugo. Excellent. Very good. Well done. Aye, aye, aye. This is when things get real hairy because Bob says that he's the best dad ever and pulls out the Banjo box set. (laughs) Which is 
I think 16 movies and then has 25 hours of extra footage or something pretty similar to that, which is buck wild. You know, I wish this was in the HD era where they could put every title on the box. You know what? I thought about that too, because I was wondering if every single movie would have some sort of like a musical pun or if it would have a food pun because of ceviche. Yeah. Did you know that Banjo is based off the 1969 spaghetti Western Sabata? Mm, I did not know that. Did he play a banjo in that? Uh, or a sabata, some type of drum? Uh, yep. Also, it's on Amazon Prime right now. Oh, so there you go. So, homework for us and homework for the listeners, watch Sabata. It is a 5.9 out of 10 on Film Affinity, 3.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. 81% of users like this film. Huh. And it's got Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef. Known also as the star of... The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and for a few dollars more. Nice. So that means he's in, like, the sequel of A Fistful of Dollars. He's that guy. Oh, yeah. I know him. Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef. So this banjo box sits on the counter. Louise is upset. Jean is excited. Louise asks Bob to hand her a fork, and he does for some reason, and she immediately starts stabbing the box set. It looks like a plastic fork, so, I mean, she couldn't have gotten that deep with it. There are holes in that box set. Dents. There are at least dents. Some pretty firm dents. We cut to them watching the movie. It's Jean and Bob. There's, we cut to a scene with Banjo. He says, there's only going to be two shots. Me shooting you and then drinking the shot of whiskey. And Bob exclaims, what a line. And my note in this is, was it? What line? <laughs> it's like, I know it's a spaghetti western. Look, I know. But there is a way to spin that around to making it excellent. There's only going to be two shots. Me shooting you and then cut to him. Pew! Shooting him. And then him just taking the shot of whiskey. Like, that's fucking dope as hell. You think they're trying to base that off of there's going to be two hits? My fist hitting your face and your face hitting the floor? Yeah, probably. There's like a million variations of this, you know. You got one? I'm trying to remember the start of it. What is it? I've got two things. Uh... And you're all out of one of the things? Yeah, Jack. Jack and shit, Jack Love Town. Kicking ass, chewing bubblegum. Kicking ass, chewing bubblegum. Like, there's like a billion lines about this. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's the nostalgia factor for Bob, right? Which is why he's like so giddy about this show. Louise gets upset while they're watching this and goes, Yep, there's other people for me to hang out with around here. Cuts to her hanging out with Tina. Poor, sweet, lovable Tina. She's so willing to hang out with her sister. She asks Louise to practice conflict resolution with her and say something mean to me so I cannot react. This was going to be one of my trivia questions. Yeah. Do you know what three things she says about Tina? Well, I'm looking at my notes right now, so... Break the illusion, damn. <laughs> I don't want to cheat, man. When I win trivia, I want to win trivia. My favorite of the lines is, Your room looks like it was decorated by a perverted jockey. <laughs> It's just good. It's so good. It hits all of the Tina marks. Then there's the, why do you talk so slow? This is really, really boring. Yep, that's what I got. Yeah. I really like when Louise walks in to talk to Tina and then quickly follows into her going in to hang out with Linda. Both Linda and Tina are reading. It's just one of those things that I noted. Like, I think Linda's reading a magazine in bed and Tina's reading a book. It's just like, you know, it's a very, my mom and I both were pretty avid readers so fluttered that for me Aww. Linda is also incredibly enthused to spend time with her daughter. Yeah, that's a lot of energy to shoot out at Louise, whose face immediately drops as soon as she realizes her mistake. It's that instant regret. Yeah, instant. You can hear the no. It's good, right? Yeah. Linda is very excited and screams that it's mother-daughter bonding time and does the makeover. And holy yikes. It is the makeover of all makeovers. Makeover, 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 makeover. Very good. The next day, Bob and Jean are still watching Banjo. Linda tells them that they can watch the rest tonight, which continues to upset Louise. Linda makes... She makes a remark, which initially I thought was kind of dismissive because she's like, Louise, it's just father-son bonding kind of thing, right? Like, chill out. And I was kind of like, that's kind of rude. Like, your daughter's very clearly upset. But the flip side is when you see how Jean and Bob bond or have bonded in the past, it makes sense. Like, that they have something now to get along with. We cut to Jean and Bob in the living room. Jean encourages Bob to have a tambourine solo and to which he shakes the tambourine pathetically and you just hear gene under his breath say sheesh <laughs> <laughs> sheesh kebab sheesh 
The pun that will haunt me. Uh, then there's them fishing. Yep. The rod, the rod shoots out one of their hands. And Gene starts putting worms on Bob. Yeah, so Bob is kind of like falling asleep. You know, the typical father-son fishing adventure. And then the, the football. There were no laces. There were no laces. Yes, that's why you couldn't throw it. Yeah. Gene gets upset with Louise and says, why don't you learn something and become a lawyer? <laughs> Which I thought was a great line. And also maybe a bit of a callback to food court. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe uh, Louise has asked. She would be a great prosecutor. Or defendant. Or defendant, yeah. Or ju- judge. She would be judge, jury, and executioner. Judge, Judy, and executioner. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We are in Mr. Frond's room or one of the adjacent classrooms where Frond goes over the conflict resolution tenants. It has an acronym. I hate acronyms in general. I work in a... Acronym heavy environment. Everything is an acronym and they change almost every year. It's awful. Are there any really bad ones? Um, Nothing that I want to share because I don't want people to know where I work. All right. So we have... Abs. Flex those abs. Flex those abs. Accessing your feelings. Being apologetic. And the laziest step, which is slap it. Which is, of course, not slapping the person. It's high-fiving. Although, kind of confusing. Yeah, there's really no specific location of slap. Yeah. Mr. Which Mr. Frond uses to great effect later. That's true. Mr. Frond also says that conflict resolution is sweeping our school. He encourages Tina, Jocelyn, and Jimmy Jr. to participate in a scene doesn't include Becky because Becky's mom is in jail. That was great. Poor Becky. You know, bit of a thing to drop on Becky and also every classmate there. <laughs> the situation is Jocelyn is talking to Jimmy Jr. and gossips that Tina is whack. Work out your abs. Is whack still a thing in 2011? No. Would I use it in 2022? You're betcha. Also, it's Mr. Frond. He's trying to be hip with the chitlin'. Trying to be hipping with it. It's just like when I call it the TikTok. Are you kids on the TikTok? No wonder your nieces don't like talking to you. Yeah, nobody likes, no no youth likes talking to me. And it's really terrible because I'm a youth therapist. But you know, it is what it is, guys. You're all they've got. Yeah, they don't have a choice. After they play out the scenario, and it's cute because they do the scenario the bad way and then do the rewind, which I thought was kind of adorable and do it again where they slap it and i feel like tina and jocelyn get very very close or tina gets incredibly close to jocelyn and i feel like in other instances this would have been the grab you by the shirt to look you dead in the eyes and tina says if you ever gossip about me to jimmy jr outside of conflict resolution i will punch you in the face again and 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 again you're done and again (laughs) <laughs> to which Jocelyn replies pretty appropriately, psycho, and walks away. Well, yeah, Tina is a bit of a psycho in this. A psycho and a sex pest is not the best combination. Yeah, I mean, she's really only this way with Jimmy Jr. And it's obviously, again, she's having her own feelings of jealousy. and She wants Jimmy Jr. to like her. But yeah, uh, uh, the, the agains, the 912 agains after punching in the face. It's a little excessive, Tina. Maybe slow your roll a little bit. Mm-hmm. Play off the caffeinated milk. I don't know. Put down that muscle milk. Put down, put down the milk now with vitamin R. <laughs> We see Teddy and Bob in the restaurant again uh, with Mort. Teddy talks about how he beat up a lot of kids like Gene, but not because he was a bully, but because kids like Gene need to get beat up. Yeah, all right. Teddy kind of reminds me of one of those like meathead jocks. If we want to get back into Riverdale stuff, like Archie comics, he'd be a moose type, you know, just like a big dumb ox type. So I can see him being encouraged by someone to beat up another kid. Or maybe he feels like if I beat this kid up, it will build character. I'm betting Teddy had like emotional control issues, which led to him maybe having some emotional guilt, which makes him super kind and nice to everybody now. Oh yeah, maybe. He also was a sailor at some point. We find out way later on. So he probably has PTSD. Let's Mm. just be real. Yeah. All those days out on the ocean alone but probably not alone he was on he was uh, the navy yeah he was a sailor yeah in the navy you can eat a can of beans in the navy it's not what it is you can sew up a bunch of jeans in the <laughs> navy 
Good. Mort makes the comment that meatballs are just spherical, spherical burgers, which Linda quickly retorts, make one big enough for Colleen to choke on. How big a meatball would that be? It'd have to be like golf ball sized. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it has to be like, she has to be willing to just kind of swallow it. Unless you go for like a Dennis the Menace, shoot it down her throat with a slingshot kind of deal. Oh, I wonder if Linda would be good with a slingshot. I don't feel like she would. I feel like she doesn't have the patience to get the aim. Yeah. Louise tries to sit with other people at lunch. She immediately puts the hierarchy saying it's me and then one of you two <laughs> and then the other one. When they start talking about what stickers they like better, she immediately bounces. Jean struts in in a sun hat. <laughs> Jean's confidence is through the roof. Being a bully makes you very confident. This is a great exchange. Jean tells Choo Choo, funny seeing you in here. And Choo Choo replies, in the cafeteria at lunch? <laughs> Gene also calls him Spew Spew this time. So we have Choo Choo, Spew Spew, and Poo Poo. Pretty good. <laughs> if he was a science fiction character, he'd be Dr. Hoo Hoo. <laughs> if he was a first aid attendant, he'd be Boo Boo. <laughs> if he was suffering from lamentations, he would be Roo Roo. If he was a ballerina, he'd be Choo Choo. If he worked with animals, he'd be Zuzu. <laughs> if he was a dog walker, he'd be Doo Doo. If he was in a band with Dave Grohl, he'd be a Foo Foo fighter. <laughs> If he was on a planet with giant women, he'd be Snoo Snoo. <laughs> if he was a mi- minion, he'd be Gru Gru. <laughs> if he was in a group of people who painted themselves all the same color, he'd be Blue Blue. <laughs> if he was a cow, he'd be Moo Moo. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> if he was really into gum, he'd be Choo Choo. <laughs> back around full circle uh, louise makes fun of his book which is the jokes for blokes that's the last time i'll have you speak badly of jokes for blokes there is an awesome scene that follows they do the very typical western about to have the gunfight like the high noon gunfight there's cuts to their eyes and them holding fish fingers which they're using as pistols right before there's the food fight fun fact jokes for blokes is a real book oh turns out jokes for blokes is the ultimate book of jokes not suitable for mixed company written in 2011 see oh so that's the same year that the episode comes out yep interesting do you think it was made because of the episode or did they make it prior to the episode i feel like a writer's room if i was like a comedy writer and i was in a like chapters or indigo or barnes and nobles types of bookstore i would wander into the, the comedy section and find a stupid book like that and bring it to the writer's room and be like hey guys look what i found and start pitching those jokes as things that Gene would say. I mean, where else did they get Bloodlight and Boobies and Elvis Parsley from? Like, I remember Elvis Parsley joke when I was a kid. Yeah. So we have this awesome gunfight scene, which breaks into a food fight. There is <laughs> Tina's moment where she there, there's the slow motion. Which in the typical Western, you know, it's the character usually taking the bullet for the lead. In this case, it's Tina trying to take the bullet for the abs poster. We cut to Fran's office. Louise and Jean and Bob and Mr. Frond are there. We see some cool new posters. There's the best elf is yourself poster. And smile. Try it. Now, as a woman, I took great offense to that poster because we're constantly being told to be smile. That's the joke. Okay, cool. (laughs) I'm just going to assume the ladies listening are laughing. There is a moment where they say that they hate each other, Jean and Louise. I've been there. Sibling rivalry? How many times have you told your brothers you hate them? Uh, never. But my parents, if they heard that kind of language, we'd get a five across the eyes. Dang. Yep. We are a loving family. We are not mean to each other. Except when the parents aren't looking, your brothers are poking you in the back, but you have to know better, so you can't do anything about it. Ooh, that's some trauma to process. Cool. Tell my brothers I hated them all the time, because we had one TV, and I had two much older brothers, and so I never got to watch things I wanted to watch. Like Sailor Moon? Like My Little Pony, like Rainbow Bright. Right? Like Shira. This is when I was real little. Gem and the holograms. Gem and the holograms. Yes. To be fair though, it did give me a broader taste in nerd culture. I guess. Well, I got to watch like all of G.I. Joe. I've seen all of Transformers. I've seen most of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, if not all of it. Anyways. Braun mentions very clearly that there seems to be they seem to be in conflict and they'd like the kids to use their abs. Yeah, he is thirsty for conflict in this episode. Yeah, he really is. Because he wants to resolve it. He wants to show off his abs. (laughs) 
Bob says, no, thank you. Good polite answer. Louise says, yeah, show us your abs. Gene also adds, and your ding dong. <laughs> like, Gene, there's a time and place for ding dongs. It is not in your counselor's office. It's when you first approach a door and push the button. <laughs> Gene says all he's going to say is very good to which Louise tries to immediately hit him with the guitar Bob says this is dumb Frond uses his abs and says when you say that it makes me want to pinch you in the eye yeah if a teacher pinched me in the eye I would slug him straight up there's a sort of an emphasis on that Bob and Franz should be the good examples and they literally get into like almost like a physical altercation which we get to there's a lot of good lines in this one, but specifically as a therapist, this one really tickled me. Louise throws a doll. Fran says, don't throw repressed memory Emily. And Louise says, she won't remember this. <laughs> That was my favorite. It is excellent. The show has this really great way of balancing the poo-poo, spew-spew, kind of like farty-fart, McFart jokes, but then also just has some like real sharpshooters like these ones. Sharpshooter is also a Western reference. <laughs> oh. Bob makes fun of the system, uh, or continues to make fun of the ab system. Louise and Frond fight over the doll. Mr. Frond starts screaming, detention. Frond says, and you, pointing at Bob, I'm going to cut you. Cut you out of the spaghetti conflict resolution dinner. Oh, so close to physical altercation. Which will now be a fast. <laughs> which I thought was also a good line. Better call him Yom Kippur, because he's going to be fast. <laughs> Good. Outside of the office, Bob, Jean, and Louise have an exchange. Bob mentions that it did not go well and that he seemed angry. Jean adds, and frothy. Louise adds, and kind of bloated. Jean adds, maybe he's dehydrated. It's a cute little exchange. I like that. Then they have to go home. And guess who finds out that they're no longer making spaghetti? Yeah, it's Linda. And Linda's real mad. Also a very good exchange. Linda exclaims very loudly, I can't tell you how many favors I had to call in to get that dinner. Bob asks, how many? Linda says, two. <laughs> <laughs> That is pretty great. Tina comes upstairs. She's in a panic and she's upset because now her family's not sponsoring this dinner, which means they might not get to save money for the trash can. Mm -hmm. uh, she says that she was too upset to lock up or she was... Tina says she was too upset to remember whether or not she locked up. Bob asked if there were customers inside. Tina says she doesn't know. And that immediately cuts to customers in the restaurant, like, trying to get out. Yeah, so I got a fun fact about that. Uh-huh. The restaurant has one customer in it who is directly in front of the window. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to show you two pictures here. And tell me if you recognize who it is. Picture number one. Yeah. And picture number two. Yeah, it's the lady from the Human Flesh episode. Yeah, the Adventurous Eaters Club president. She dyed her hair and changed her clothes, but it is definitely her. Or maybe it's Peter Pescadero's mom, because he also changes the way that he looks entirely. That whole family has a nasty habit of changing their clothes? Changing their whole entire existence? Yep. Bob states very clearly that it's not his fault. Mm -hmm. It's Mr. Franz's fault. It's Louise's fault. It's Jean's fault. And then Louise states loudly, and most of all, that stupid movie. Bob says, don't blame the movie. Not Precious, precious banjo. 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 Linda tells everyone to shut up and that she's going to lock the movies in her jewelry drawer, which must be massive, but also empty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't make a lot of money, so how much jewelry you got? She doesn't got no hope diamond in a drawer somewhere. It's nice for her to have hope uh, that she'll have jewelry one day and have a drawer ready for it. Uh, only she will get the jewelry she plucks off of Colleen Caviello's cold dead body from choking on a meatball. Uh, Bob says that Linda's overreacting. Lynn says, the hell I am. I'm in charge of a spaghetti dinner that isn't going to have any spaghetti. Well, Tina tries to jump in and defuse the situation. Yep, she asks, suggests that they work out their abs. Linda discards it also and says, not now with that crap, Tina, and storms off. We are in a state of chaos. Or upset. Discourse. Mm -hmm. Oh, disharmony. Disharmony. At school, we see Tina crossing out the spaghetti dinner on the abs poster, the fundraiser <laughs> poster, just like looking so tragic. And everybody's real supportive of her, though. It's true. But like, that's just like, 
Why would you do that? You don't need to cr And it's- It's a great visual. It's amazing. In detention, Choo Choo is increasingly upset. He talks about how he had a perfect record and Louise goads him on. He says, I had a perfect record and you tainted it. Jean chimes in, taint. <laughs> uh, and then Louise starts goading Jean. Basically, really trying to fan the flames of this uh, rivalry. Yeah, she's really Lord of the Rings worm-tonguing her way in there. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. If you haven't seen Lord of the Rings <laughs> the movies, watch them the extended editions in 4k or don't it's also okay choo choo hits his breaking point and screams you are dead bob says he has to go pick up gene and louise from detention linda says great take some meatballs got plenty of meatballs all dressed up with nowhere to go nom 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 and she's shoving these meatballs in her face i'm assuming they are cooked but they look raw as hell yeah, I was going to say, they look a little either raw or just overly sauced. Yeah, I mean, unless this is like a hinting at what the original concept of the show was, where they were cannibals, Ooh. maybe. But I just think that they're, they're, they have to be cooked. Do you think that would have been an episode? They are cooking for the spaghetti dinner so they can get rid of a body? Oh, So that's why it, they've lost the spaghetti dinner. Now they have a body they can't get rid of that's been turned into meatballs. Yeah, that's good. I like that. And a burger restaurant, so they can't sell meatballs. What are they going to do? him into sliders. Choo Choo waits for Jean outside and picks a fight and his immediate response to battle is taking off his shirt. Yeah that's a very southwest US thing to do to take your shirt off for a fight or hockey. They do that all the time. Oh yeah like they jersey each other. Yeah. Jean says I don't want to do this. I haven't touched the balloon button yet. I don't know what it does. Which I thought was cute. And then Choo Choo charges at him. He choo choos towards Jean like a <laughs> locomotive. Bob grabs Choo Choo by the arm. Choo Choo screams, this train is off the tracks. Choo Choo. And Bob goes, oh, I get his name now. Gene, I always thought it was how he chews because he chews like a train. <laughs> how does train chew? Oh, 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 oh. You know, I, I, I wish I had that kind of passion sometimes. And you know what? If I was going to get into a fist fight with somebody and they took their shirt off, I'd start taking off the rest of my clothes. <laughs> That's They're good. like, Oh, what are you going to do? I'm like, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. Sumo! <laughs> Let's get real close in person here, buddy. <laughs> like the Greeks of old. <laughs> you know the ones I mean. That's very, very good. Choo Choo's dad shows up and goes, you touching my kid. And then he says, I'm going to beat you so bad I can skip the gym tonight to Bob. Which I thought was good. Louis says, Dad, this is bad. And all of them run and hide in a slide. <laughs> yep. They, they squeeze into one of those like tubular water slide type slides. The one that carry all of the electricity. Or also can house unhomed people like in Parks and Recreation. <laughs> I, I've definitely zapped myself on many a slide. Oh, like a thousand percent. You either burn every ounce of bare flesh that touches it. Because it's one of those like metal slides. Or you are electrocuted. Those are your two slide options. Well, if it's a metal slide, then all the gangs who want to throw away their guns can melt them down into slides. Oh, you can call them bullet slides. Oh. Pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> if the kid was a gun, he'd be pew pew. Oh my god. <laughs> You know, we see the family in the slide. Bob states, we're not hiding. We're respectfully declining the invitation for a fight, okay? Sure. Gene farts. Yeah, fart slide. <laughs> fart slide. If he was a fart, he'd be toot toot. Ugh. Uh, everyone exclaims Gene's name very, very loudly. We all have a stinker in the family. One of my, ours is my one of my nieces. Her farts are absolute rotten. They smell like she is literally farting cadavers. Um. Well, that's because she's uh, gluten-free. So all those Oh, no, it's no the other glutens. one. No, no, it's the other one. Then too much gluten, whatever. Probably too, yeah, okay. It's something to do with gluten. The gluten levels are off, guys. <laughs> too much or not enough. One of the two. Louise makes a playful comment about how they're coming back. Bob and Jean have a very, like, nervous reaction. Then Bob calls Louise out. He says that she's been stirring the pot for three days and she owes her brother an apology. Louise loses it. And rightfully so, if I might say so. Louise may not have been acting very maturely, but she's also a f***ing kid. And she's been shunned by the two most important people to her in the family. And to have her dad, like, not own up to his part, pretty shitty. Yeah, that's rough. And she says as much. She goes, me? Both of you owe me an apology. Bob seems to be completely oblivious and asks why, because all they wanted to do was watch Banjo. And she lays it out very clearly. You stopped hanging out with me. She goes, first burn unit stopped hanging out, then the lunch bunch stopped. Bob adds, and God, we have lame names. 
which I think is cute. Jean also has mentioned, use your slide voices, which I thought was a cute line. Yeah. Louise continues, who am I going to hang out with if not you two? Mom and Tina, the menstruation nation. Again, my new band name. <laughs> Bob goes, ugh, really bad name. I was thinking about that. Do you know what the name would be for Jean and Linda? The Down Underwear Crew. That's good. That's very, very good. Louise says, you're all I've got. And she starts getting teary-eyed. And I like this because Louise throughout the show has this reputation for being honestly very mean. <laughs> I mean, we see how she treats Andy and Ollie in the art crawl episode and to be perfectly fair, how she treats Jean and Tina in the art crawl episode. I mean, I can break it down from episode one. I mean, mm-hmm. in the uh, dinner theater episode, she's slapping Tina. Real slap happy. Real slap happy. So it's nice to see a little bit more of a vulnerable side from her. And I feel like Kristen Schaal, who does the voice of Louise, doesn't really get enough credit. She always ends up playing these very goofy or... I guess Louise, like, very angry character. She doesn't get to do, like, a lot of... She's got, like... She's an onion. Well, she did get a dramatic role in What We Do in the Shadows. It's not dramatic. It's a comedy show. Her character is very serious and dramatic with a love interest. Yes, she's hilarious. She is so serious in that very funny, funny show. Both Bob and Jean say that they're sorry and not to cry. And Louise sort of chuckles through her tears. She's like, got you. You thought I was really crying. Gross. Jean farts again. And he apologizes saying that it's anxiety and turkey jerky, which I think is awesome. (laughs) Anxiety farts are disgusting. Apparently they smell like Bob's. And (laughs) Louise gets upset that they're bonding again over farts, which are like fingerprints, apparently. (laughs) Louise tries to squeak out a fart because she wants to be part of the cool club too. And it's very clear that her smell like Linda. She's upset by that. Yep. And then we come to the climax of the episode. We're at the school during the fundraiser for conflict resolution fast. It's not a spaghetti dinner anymore. And Colleen Caviello makes a comment about bake ziti for another year. Poor Linda. Just yeah. devastated. Yeah, for be talking about my bake ziti again. <laughs> Tina says, with your help, we raised over $100. It was $110. <laughs> yeah, I love Tina's opener for that one, where she goes up to the microphone and goes, uh, thank you. Oh, good. She, rock- <laughs> she rocked it. Yep. We see Jocelyn and Jimmy sitting next to her, and it looks like Jocelyn might have said something to Jimmy, and Tina flips her f***ing lid. Oh, she pulling explodes. Yeah, she says, I warned you, skank, and jumps off the stage and goes and attacks Jocelyn. It's tough titty Tina time. <laughs> titty Tina time. Good. They talk about how this is not a skit, it's real life. Mm-hmm. Caviello talks about how last year people wanted seconds on her ZD. Bob makes the saloon entrance. So again, we have this sort of parallel to the westerns, you know, the gym doors swing open he's got his tongs hooked on his hips pushing the cart with the spaghetti on it bob joe bob joe and bob uses his abs bob has learned his lesson he speaks to mr frond and essentially apologizes for his behavior he tries to make everything better with spaghetti and meatballs so everyone gets handed out food you know the spaghetti and meatballs looks weird without sauce yeah. it's just noodles with a chunk of meat on top i'm okay with that when it comes to pasta i'm a, I'm a really saucy guy Yeah, you like your spaghetti dippers? Spaghetti dippers. (laughs) We see this lady and lady in the trap moment with Jimmy Jr. and Tina, where Tina tries to have one of those moments and she totally gets rejected. Ooh, shut down. Linda goes to Colleen. She goes, put these balls in your face. Yikes. And basically the curtain of the show drops and we hear food fight. (laughs) And that's how the episode ends. And then of course... You know, the final credit scene is the banjo theme song, which is excellent. This is really where Bob's Burgers takes on the end credits as just another way to storytell, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the episode. Yeah, I had a really good time with this episode. It was one of my favorites. It's uh, got a lot of heart and a lot of family ties and a lot of people comparing farts. Yeah, I... It's, I mean, I, again, I'm a big Western fan, so it already kind of tickles that for me. Uh, if, if the kid was a fart, he'd be PU. Good. Yeah, it's good, good. Yeah, I like Western, so it already kind of tickled that for me. And I like seeing the, I don't want to say Easter eggs, but like the the very clear honoring of the, the Western genre. I like seeing Vulnerable Louise. I like how it was her episode it was emphasized mostly on her and her feelings. I like seeing a vengeful Linda. 
mm-hmm. when she loses her veneer of positivity and it's like I'm so sick of this I have to win something there's like a lot of there's a lot of jealousy in the episode so it's not just one character who's experiencing it there's obviously like the main Louise but we see it with Jean Jean is jealous of Choo Choo because Choo Choo keeps interrupting his jokes we see Linda is jealous of Colleen Caviello and we see Tina is jealous of whatever's going on between Jocelyn and Jimmy like there's a lot of different levels to it so it kind of shows different types of jealousy which I think is really cool so yeah I mean 7.7 seems kind of low if I'm perfectly honest Mm -hmm. it's no anus episode but it certainly (laughs) but it is good it's a very very solid episode and I'm really looking forward to next week's just a general reminder for all the listeners, homework after this episode. Watch Sabata that came out in 1969. As well, if you have the chance, American Tale Five Goes West. And do you have a Western recommendation? Westworld. Westworld. Yes. Those three. And uh, send us a message and let us know how you liked them. Or don't. That's also okay. Also, we're grading your homework, so it better be good. Oh, you know what that sound means? It is time for trivia. Anybody who's been with us since the beginning knows we do three questions. One easy, one medium, one hard. Going for one point, two point, three points respectively. And see how tough it is for the other person to guess. Alternating each time. Today, it is my turn to give Kim, the webmistress, some very tough trivia. I'd like you to correct that and just say that for me all the questions are easy easy and easy (laughs) i'm not gonna say that if anything i'm gonna say they're hard 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 nice all right for your easy question who is the villain in banjo you're not gonna ask me to spell it right no ceviche very good that's one point for two points name the three burns that the burn unit produces in the opening of the episode the first one is the soccer and it's oh i forgot to play sports i don't know how to play sports with my hands that's pretty good i'll give you that one thank you the other one is i uh, today on the news my forehead is too big so close i'll give it to you good right i mean the burn is that his forehead is big and the other one is ah i'm I'm running and i'm a girl and oh i fell and oh no he killed me can you name what she was killed with a knife chainsaw i'm afraid you're only gonna get half points on this meat cleaver machete wow so many wrong answers axe no so (laughs) you know who's gonna get murdered now So the answers I was looking for was, I play soccer because I forgot I have hands. Mm -hmm. I'm on the news because I have a huge head. And the other one, oh, I can't outrun a lawnmower because my dress is so tight. Oh, it was a lawnmower. It was a lawnmower. So you're only getting one point for the medium question. And the final question, the hard one, there are four Count them four punchlines to mm-hmm. Gene's jokes that get stolen from him. Can you name all four punchlines? I, I would like to correct you. There are only three that are stolen and one he does correctly. Then let me rephrase. <laughs> Gene tells four jokes. Yes, he does. There are four punchlines. I need you to name four punchlines. Just the punchlines. Just the punchlines. Can I get bonus points if I know the jokes? Maybe I'll give you one bonus point if you get all the jokes right. No, that's fine. I don't want your bonus points. It is. Uh, you just asked for bonus points. <laughs> Give me bonus points. Okay. No. <laughs> what is a vampire order in a bar? A blood light. What's something in green and sings all over? <laughs> it's something about music. What's what's south southern and green and plays some music? It's Elvis Parsley. <laughs> <laughs> Two more. What's the name of Ghost Bees? Booby. <laughs> That's, That's not what it is. One more. And then uh, what uh, Italian or Spanish kid loses a toe? And the punchline is rubber toe. <laughs> I know I did not do any of those, except the first one. I got the first one. You're not getting that bonus point. I'd like a quarter of a bonus point. Okay, fine. Quarter of a bonus point. So congratulations. You got five and a quarter points off of this one. Out of six? With the bonus point. I'm disappointed in myself. It would have been out of seven. (sighs) I I accept. So five and a quarter bonus points. Congratulations. And now we can move on to the burger of the day. So today's burger of the day was the shootout at the Okra Corral burger. Obviously based off of shootout at the OK Corral. I hated this burger so badly. 
Tell it me. made me so mad. Tell me how you really feel. This burger was the most complicated I've ever had to make. Partly because I made a mistake and didn't see the ingredients that we had versus what we needed. So let, let's start off with how I made the burger. The patty was obviously the basics. You know, beef, garlic powder, breadcrumbs, egg, all mixed together and salt and peppered for 400 degrees, 10 minutes on one side, 400 degrees, 10 minutes on the other side. But the rest of it, the rest of it was the worst. So this burger, after I made the patties, required so many extra ingredients that I thought I had and then I couldn't find at the store and it was a mess. So buttermilk is not a thing that's at normal grocery stores. And I didn't realize that until I went there and couldn't find it. And then I had to make buttermilk by myself which the internet said vinegar plus milk equals buttermilk, which is super weird to me, but I guess worked. It's science, man. Yep. Also, we didn't have any ranch in the house, which I thought we did, so I didn't buy any more. And then we had ranch powder, which I could mix with mayonnaise or something to make ranch dressing, kind of. So that was good enough. And then, and then, tomatoes. I was supposed to get green tomatoes to fry green tomatoes. I got regular tomatoes because I didn't read the green part, so I got the wrong kind of tomatoes and fried the wrong kind of tomatoes, and it was wrong. On top of that, okra. I've decided that I hate okra. <laughs> it is slimy and gooey, and my hands are covered in gunk, and it was terrible, and I hated it. I don't think I've ever had you speak so impassioned before. It was the worst. <laughs> the absolute worst. So the way it kind of stacked up was top bun, ranch dressing, a little bit of mayo, fried red tomato instead of the green tomato, lettuce, burger, and then a bottom bun. It was probably the worst burger making experience that I've ever had. So my question is, in your absolute burger fury, was it the recipe's fault or... Was was perhaps something else responsible for this being a frustrating experience. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna go jump off the balcony now. I don't appreciate you blowing up my spot like that. <laughs> if you want to try this devilishly terrible burger recipe for yourself, you can check out the Bob's Burgers Burger Book. The link to that burger book is in the description of the podcast below. It is our Amazon Associates link. We get a little kissy kissy of that when you... <laughs> I get a little kissy kissy of that when you check out and doesn't cost you anything and it takes money out of Jeff Bezos' pocket. So please, feel free to use our Amazon affiliate link for everything you buy off of Amazon. Jesus Christ, kissy kissy. I was not expecting that. All right, so let's talk about this hamburger that you hate. Yep. So as anybody else who's listened knows, we have a five-point system with four categories equaling up to 20 points per person. Category number one is umami or savoriness. Category number two is mouthfeel. Category number three is emotional resonance. And category number four is, of course, reeatability. These are all out of five points per category. And let's see how it all shook out. Kim, how was the savoriness of this burger? So I would just like to preface my savory score by stating very clearly that I actually really enjoyed this hamburger. And it may be from the experience of someone who didn't have to make it. But I liked it. As far as savoriness goes it was pretty good burger patty was good cooked well i liked the ranch i quite enjoyed the fried tomatoes which is bananas for me because i hate tomatoes with an absolute fucking passion and i really liked the side of fried okra i thought it was a nice little change from the french fry yeah i disagree with about the okra i i thought the burger was fine it definitely wasn't my favorite burger and i i think the savoriness for me landed on a Two. I didn't even give my score yet. Yeah, what's yours? I'm gonna give it a 3.5 out of 5. Very nice. You know, the mouthfeel of this burger was better for me than the savoriness, I think. It was soft, there wasn't a whole lot of crunch to it, patty was fine, and the tomato wasn't as tomato consistency as I usually hate, so it was pretty alright. I'm gonna give that one a 3. I think when you fry a tomato basically into not looking or tasting like a tomato, tomatoes are good. I also gave mouthfeel a 3. How was your emotional resonance with this burger. I gave it a pretty high score because I was absolutely surprised by the fact that I enjoyed something with tomato. Let me tell you, and you can of course attest to this, if I order something and they forget to take off the tomato, it is a production. It's specifically if my food has had to sit in a bag for any length of time 
and any of that tomato has congealed on my actual delicious food. It is a near carantrostrophe. Yeah, it's real bad. And you know what? With the emotional labor mm. that I had to go through with this burger and the hassle and the effort and just the seething frustration, I'm going to give this a red hot five. Probably yeah. my highest emotional resonance of any burger I've had to make so far. It's probably your highest emotion ever in the whole time that I've known you. Yeah. So enraged. Not climate change, f***ing okra. And wrong ingredients. Yeah, which is definitely the book's fault. Entirely. It should have told me better what it wanted. As for readability, I probably won't make this burger again for myself, but I'd be okay eating it at a barbecue or wherever else. So, three for me. Would you make it again for me? Yes. <laughs> well, guess what we're having for dinner next week. The I burger gave it from next week's episode? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I gave it a re-eatability of four because I would re-eat it. I thought it was a nice change of pace. Very cool. I would say it's probably like, it's, what episode is this? Nine? So we've had nine burgers now. I'd say it's probably my top five. It did merit a suitably high score. You landed on a ridiculous 14.5. That was real close. That's probably one of the highest scores you've given so far. Yep. And mine was a measly 13. The emotional resonance really saved it points wise yeah definitely because otherwise you would have given it like a red hot zero once again please check out the bob's burgers burger book through our amazon link so we can get a little kissy <laughs> you have to stop saying that i veto i veto that whole thing but cut, you're okay with... cut, cut that cut that cut that cut that you're okay with bun buddies but you're not okay with kissy kissy to be fair i wasn't entirely okay with bun buddies either but you were so keen on it that i just went along with it yeah we have some pretty great merch with the bun buddies logo on it too that's awesome yep down to the outro let's get to this outro outro Thank you for listening to License to Grill, brought to you by the Ultimate Tabletop Network. Don't forget to return next week for Season 1, Episode 10, Burger Wars. If you want to cook up some burgers of the day for yourself, please check out the link in the podcast description. Please check out our Linktree, Instagram, Twitter, and our merch store. And with that, good night, all my bun... Good night, all my bun buddies. Good night, all my bun buddies. Good night, all my bun buddies. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, folks.